Hello, my name is Andrew Denny, and I welcome you to Couture and Construction, a weekly podcast featuring conversations with talented, prominent guests to shed light on the stories behind the scenes of luxury build and design. This week, we're joined again by Brady Fry of Fry Classic Construction. Episode 83, Nailing the Handoff with Brady Fry. You just did your walkthrough before closing, and it's so easy to see your new home through rose-colored glasses. You've seen it at its best. But how do you properly live with your home, and what should you expect? In today's episode, we'll discuss nailing the handoff of passing over the keys to the homeowner, how to help clients understand and set expectations when the new wears off, home maintenance, warranties, and more. Joining us today is one of our favorites, Brady Fry. He's the owner of one of the most in-demand luxury home general contractors uh, in Davidson and Williamson counties, Fry Classic Construction. Brady approaches each new custom home project with the same level of care and thoughtful consideration as he did with his very first remodel 20 years ago. A lifelong learner, Brady spends his free time educating himself on the latest trends in architecture and design as well as staying updated on new techniques and innovations in the custom home building industry. Brady, welcome back. Thanks so much for giving us some of your time today. I know it's very valuable. Glad to be here as always. Thanks for having me. So let's dive in. Um, So while each builder has a different walkthrough process, what should be expected at that kind of the end of the process when, when the job is quote unquote complete uh, the build is quote unquote complete. You know, we hear terms like punch list, etc. But what does that look like for you all? And uh, and just what and 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 what does the client expect at that point? Yeah, the first thing I would say, I think some people traditionally, you know, you talk about homes. A lot of times that happens in a real estate sale. We're not doing a real estate sale. I'm a custom home builder. We're transferring the home from an active construction site that we're working on to a home that they're going to live in and enjoy hopefully many years into the future. And so you hear things like punch list and blue tape and all those sorts of things. One of the things that I like to make clear internally is we're not trying to satisfy a realtor or even the homeowner. We're trying to satisfy me. Mm. Um, so it doesn't stop, you know, uh, if, if somebody in my organization would be corrected and said, Oh yeah, well the, the, the homeowner's been in here and they said it's okay. I go, that makes no difference to me. My standards are independent of the standards that might be uh, expected of the homeowner or um, any representative that they may have. I have very high standards and I want to make sure that I'm pleased with the work. And so I never regret any effort I made to make a house exceptional. I only regret the things that, you know, I couldn't make exceptional. So those are the sorts of things. It's got to pass the Brady walk. And so I'm going to walk through, personally inspect, you know, it's already been through a number of inspections. We've done punch lists and we've checked to make sure that the, that the scald valves are opened up mm-hmm. on the, on the uh, shower valves so they don't mm-hmm. get in there and can't get any uh, hot water, <laughs> that things are draining properly and toilets are flushing and they're shutting off and that the paint is done and, you know, there's no uh, touch-ups. But uh, then I want to walk it and give it kind of my seal of approval. I'll still miss things, you know, but um, I really just try to be copious and just see what stands out. I like to have a list of things I'm paying attention to. Um, if so- something that I know is a, a specific to 
uh, execution that a designer architect requested. I want to confirm, you know, that's kind of my last chance mm-hmm. to to confirm that it's it's done, you know, precisely as designed. So um, I I want to feel good about it when I transfer it, and I think in general my expectations are going to be higher than the uh, the client. Well, and that's interesting because this is going to be you've done this hundreds of times. Um, and this will be one of the few times they ever do that. So let, I, I kind of want to talk about that process with you. So on, on like a team similar to yours, you, there will be a, 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 you're the builder and the general contractor, mm-hmm. but you have a team. Yes. Um, so that would be your project manager or job site supervisor. Yeah. We, we have two roles that are primarily involved in the, the production of a job. We have our estimating and purchasing department. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two really bright young ladies that operate that department um, that, that are very on the ball and very gifted at just going through copious amounts of details and specifications and window schedules, paint schedules, mm-hmm. tile selections. And so truthfully, it'd be impossible for me to know every tile selection mm-hmm. deco, but they're really incredibly um, good at just going through those pages and pages and pages of things that would just make maybe a big picture people like you and I mm. a little bit nauseous, but mm. they're, <laughs> so they're monitoring that. And then we have our uh, production managers that are in the field and they're um, taking those purchase orders, putting them on the schedule, interacting with those trades. They're the folks that call you and go, Hey, Andrew, I see that I've got a purchase order that Emily produced for mm-hmm. hardwoods for this project and coordinating our schedule with your availability mm-hmm. and projecting that. And so both of those people are really key um, at the uh, end of the job um, and pre-handoff to the homeowner. You know, the the estimating purchasing department is going to make sure, did we receive mm-hmm. the appliance that we ordered and the finish that we ordered? You know, occasionally you'll get, you ordered a refrigerator that's supposed to be integrated and they send it with a stainless steel panel. Well, mm-hmm. you know, that's got to be corrected. Mm-hmm. Um so they're going to go through and just make sure, did we receive everything as ordered? Um, then was it installed properly? And so it's a, it's a it's a big team effort, but I'm kind of the, you know, it's my name on the sign. So I do like to make sure that I get a thorough walkthrough. And again, it, it doesn't matter um, if anybody else brought it up. Uh, and occasionally, again, I'm, I'm, I'm only human as well. I always tell people, I say, hey. Um, you know, we'll turn over the house, we think it's in good shape, but you know, they get, you know, they're out there doing, got their feet stuck under the couch and getting crunches or something and get a weird angle that we wouldn't yeah, normally sure, see sure. when we're inspecting a house. Sure. Wait, man, at just the right angle, I can see this mm-hmm. or, or, you know, things, um, sometimes things get damaged at, on move in or, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, they call me occasionally, but we want to minimize that. And the real key on the handoff is it when you, hand over the keys or when you pop the bottle of champagne and toast to the kind of the dream realized it's when they do have a problem. The really important thing I tell people, you know, these projects are a journey. Mm. It's got some hills and some valleys or some highs or some lows. And um, by the time the job's done, everybody's anxiously awaiting the opportunity to create a little space there. Yeah, yeah. They want to be in the house, mm-hmm. not just driving mm-hmm. by. Um, I, but what I tell them is, Regardless of how we feel on the day I hand you the keys, it's probably a little bit of relief for all of us. Mm-hmm. I'll still answer the phone 
as, and reply as promptly as before you hired me. Mm-hmm. I think that's an integrity issue. Mm-hmm. We all pick up the mm-hmm. phone for a great job. Mm-hmm. Do we p- pick up the phone with the same urgency if we know a customer's frustrated? I mean, it's easy to go, man, I don't want to deal with that right now. Or, you know, I keep explaining to them and they don't get it. Pick up the phone with the same urgency when the person's having a problem as you did when it was just a great job that you were hoping to get. Yeah, and so. I think I think that's a, a very solid thing to remember uh, for when people are looking at builders. I mean that that is that is that's what it's all about, right? Is that after is not only the completion done well, the budget, uh, the resources, etc., but it really is how somebody stands with the home. I, I want to ask you kind of a technical question. Sure. Um, when you go do the walk, mm-hmm. okay, uh, how much time, like literal time, will you spend walking one of your homes? Wow, that is a good question. I mean, and I know there's it, probably, it I know you don't it, set a timer. It won't always it, be in one setting okay. because we're, um, you know, one of the things we have is we have our A team, which is our in house hourly guys that help us punch out houses. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we've walked it several times. I mean, that list is just keep getting. Smaller, and smaller, and smaller, and smaller, and smaller, and smaller. But it is. I mean, there's not one singular walkthrough. I go. This is the final. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going through. We're identifying things that need to be addressed. Then we got to go confirm mm-hmm. that those items were addressed. Get them scheduled. Confirm. Yeah. I mean, listen. Taking the piece of tape off of the blemish isn't fixing the blemish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you've got to go through and look at those blemishes. Were they corrected? Were they corrected in a satisfactory manner? You know, um, but I think you just got to continue to be vigilant. Some people, listen, it would be great, Andrew, to go. I hear people say, let's agree to a a punch list. Let's Mm -hmm. all sign it. And this is a punch list. In my opinion, that's not realistic. Mm -hmm. For my business, there's not a point where I would be willing to say to my customer who spent a substantial amount of money, well, yeah, I agree that that's unsatisfactory, but it's not on the list that we signed. So I won't do it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, I'm pretty flexible, maybe to my own demise with that. Mm-hmm. If something doesn't look good, whether or not they caught it when we've identified a list and agreed on it, I'm generally going to go back and correct Sure, it. And, and it's similar to what we talk about here. It's really simple. The work should be able to defend itself. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't require us to defend it. Yeah. If we have to clarify because of what's possible, what's not right. possible. Um, but it's really a simple, it shouldn't require it either looks right or it doesn't. Right. Like it's, you don't have to be an expert. Yeah. Um, well, you don't have to be an expert, but even coming in the wood business, I think it's important. This is a two-step. Um, let your customers know what performance standards are. We have a pretty copious warranty and, mm-hmm. and the warranty isn't there to, um, Get us out of situations where we don't have to perform, but the warranty is there to identify what the performance standard is of each product that gets installed. So, for instance, in the hardwood industry, I believe your trade organization that says, mm-hmm. you know, um, seasonal, seasonal movement, uh, movement to the to the width of a dime mm-hmm. is ordinary and customary and requires no repair. Mm-hmm. Well, if somebody just bought a six figure floor from mm-hmm. Textures mm-hmm. and their beautiful home, they go, "This is a brand new floor. Mm-hmm. There's a gap the size of a dime." They need to understand that performance standard before it's well. It's convenient for you mm-hmm. if they're dissatisfied. You can go, "Well, yeah, I can do that up to a dime." It's nice when they know that before, before. so you can say, "Hey." You didn't have any problem when I let you know the performance mm-hmm. standard. We get into it with concrete all the time. Hey, concrete cracks. We can't make 
it perform, you know, uh, you know, uh, surface cracks are usual and typical. And then cracks up to a certain width get um, filled. And- filled. And then if you get a heaving up to a certain level, then it needs to be removed and replaced. Mm-hmm. We can't pull out, you know, a $100,000 driveway mm-hmm. because it has spider <laughs> cracks that are usual mm-hmm. and typical of concrete. So we, you know, in, in the ideal world, they have that document. They probably never looked at it, but at least they're in possession you know, of you, it. You know what's amazing? And this is for you clients out here. Um, I've been doing this 20 years. Brady's been doing it for about the same amount of time. I could have a document that would be bigger than a phone book at this point of things that will happen. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, inevitably, it's so funny to me that almost all the time it's a new type of problem that you're like, no, that's totally normal. Yeah. Well, but it's brand new. So clients do understand that in building, um, there is movement. We're yeah. not building you a concrete hut of of uh, material that has no movement. It's not a cinder block dwelling. Mm-hmm. Um Things happen like yeah. it's it's that's that's just what happens. I, I heard a great illustration <laughs> about that, and it, maybe it's been around before. It was <coughs> excuse recently me. the first time I ever heard it, and they said you know Ford Motor Company builds hundreds of thousands of F one fifty trucks in very con- identical trucks mm-hmm. in very controlled environment, and look at the number of warranties that they have. Oh, They've built millions great, of these trucks. Great, that's a great thing to under think. the most controlled circumstances you could possibly provide. And they have recalls all the time, all the time, or one won't perform the way the other does. Yeah. We're building one of a kind products mm-hmm. in very uncontrolled environlements. Mm-hmm. We're outside. We're dealing with weather. We're dealing with humidity, hot, cold with materials that respond to environment. Yeah. And so, you know, um, those things are going to happen. You know, be candid with your homeowners about what you control and what you can't control. Um, just try to, you know, I think with all these things, just try to operate with information and integrity, and that will help you navigate most of the pitfalls. Yeah, and I'm just gonna, I'm just going to throw this out there as well. And again, this is uh, uh, not meant to be tough love or not meant to make any excuses. If your expectation from our products, and I'll just speak directly for for our wood products, our carpet products, whatever. Um, if your expectation is perfection, like we cannot deliver that period. Um, what we can deliver to and usually exceed is a, is the, the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, because we don't get to control everything. And even if we could, just like your great analogy with Ford, you would still encounter issues. So uh, buildings are living. Mm-hmm. And most everything that we've ever looked at is a result of of movement somewhere, mm-hmm. which is totally normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get back to the to the kind of where you start going through this punch process, etc. Let's say uh, we're recording in in mid November uh, right now, but let's say that you're working on a home right now mm-hmm. and you're projecting. Okay, that uh, December first is is move in date, right? Okay, when are you starting that process? And I know it goes all the way back to foundation, yeah. But but typically, what is that? You know, if, if a if a build takes ten to fourteen months, right? Okay, where are you starting to come in and be like, okay, this this looks good, this looks good. Is that a month out? Is that two to three weeks well, out. Well, sometimes you can 
actually overpunch a house. Mm-hmm. And we've done that before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're always looking at um, how did this go? So mm-hmm. I've realized we're painting houses too early. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is, you know, we have to take a project that um, took two years and make it look like it was all built yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so we encounter that with like drywall touch-ups, paint touch-ups, surfaces that can be damaged and, you know, just by dust. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it's people walking through site. with tool belts. And so I think we used to be in too big of a hurry to try to address everything immediately. Mm-hmm. So now we get the drywall hung and finished. Inevitably, somebody wants to move a light or add a plug. Um, we don't try to cr- – we'll move the – we might do the mechanical part of that, but we're not going to fix a drywall every time that mm-hmm. the drywall gets damaged from mm-hmm. that point on. We're not going to fix the paint job every time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also kind of a – you make decisions because the homeowner feels great when the exterior mm-hmm. paint gets applied. Mm-hmm. Well, if it's a year before move-in, you're mm-hmm. going to be repainting the house again. So, again, we're trying to make our customers happy, but sometimes you need to go, I know, that would be great. It does need to be done. And it will be done. And it will be done. Um, but probably one of the really key benchmarks for us when we're going, okay, this thing is headed to the handoff, mm-hmm. is one of those key benchmarks is setting of the countertops. Mm, okay. Because when you set the countertops, now the plumbing fixtures can be installed. Now now you're into you know, all those final um, fixtures and finishes. And so that's when we consider like, okay, this thing is headed to close out. And um, – we start getting really um, increasingly picky about everything. How people, you know, um, there, again, there's certain parts in the in the process. The, the house is we have a very clean job site. We pride ourselves on that. But you know, we go, hey man, you got to have booties on your feet mm-hmm. or take your your shoes off. You cannot cut. <clears throat> there's p- parts in the processes where it's okay to cut inside. Mm-hmm. Now we're not cutting inside. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. you got to set up outside and cut. And so we're just being way more copious about what gets brought in from the outside, what activities are being performed inside of the house. And so I would say that's our, our big kind of, you know, uh, it's on, it's time to clean this thing up and uh, get ready to hand it over. So you talked about your team and, and they work with the vendors. Um, So your team manages a team of vendors that Mm -hmm. put this all together. Um, You know, they're supplying, they're doing the craftsmanship, they're doing the building, they're providing the products. As a builder, how can they assist you? And and when you're thinking about the after sale, you mm-hmm. know, what are you considering when you bring on new vendors? What is the expectation for them? Because again, you may, let's just use us as an example. You know, yep. uh, we install a hardwood floor. You have a hardwood floor. That's not something your team can go fix. Right. You have to depend on us. Yeah. So um, what do you look for and what do you expect and how do you set the stage for your clients? Yep. Most importantly, because it's been my experience that, you know, uh, a client may expect if they have a squeak in a floor mm-hmm. that the floor guy is there. Well, I talked to Brady this morning. He right. should certainly be here within 24 hours to yeah. fix the floor. Well, that becomes unrealistic. And, and, and anyway, just walk us through how the vendor fits in here, what your expectation is and how you manage that. Cause you're kind of in the middle. The biggest thing that a vendor can do to succeed with us, mm-hmm. it's honestly really pretty simple. 
be timely with your communication. Mm -hmm. That can be anywhere along the supply chain from pricing to production to repair. So um, I understand that people are really busy. So nobody um, ever, I don't expect that every time I'm calling that Andrew's going to pick up the phone. You're a busy guy. You're Mm -hmm. operating a business. Call me back within a reasonable amount of time, preferably during business hours. I don't like it to get a phone call Mm -hmm. at 7.30 at night, you know. um, To talk about a repair, especially. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but even, you know, timely phone calls, if there is a problem, treat it with the same urgency, Mm -hmm. whether it's my problem, my mistake, or your mistake. Mm -hmm. Because we're both going to have them. Mm -hmm. So, again, you wouldn't want me to be belligerent. If it was your mistake and you, you'd say, hey, man, I'm willing to fix it, but can, can you work with me? I'm mm-hmm. going to need a, an opportunity to pull out a board. I might need help moving a piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. Just you know, treat everything with the same urgency regardless of whose mistake it is. We can work out if there's any financial ramifications shouldn't be the basis of how we're going to – how we're going to respond. It's, I think it's just building in, in the trust, you know, that you know that we, our expectations are within the performance standards of the product. We're not wasting your time. I mean, what I traditionally try to do, once the people get in the house, I say, hey, instead of addressing every item a la carte, you know, we work with people that are successful, successful people in general travel. And I go, hey, noted. It's going on the list. Mm-hmm. When y'all are headed out for spring break mm-hmm. for a week or we'll vacation or on a business trip, yeah. let us come over. And it's it's good for me because I can bring my project manager over here. Mm-hmm. Again, some of these things might require more than one person um, to execute. Well, well it's, it's, it's really interesting you say that. And I think that's a great point for people to have these expectations and something to think through. Almost anything in a home, like – very rarely is it going to be standalone. Right. So, you know, talk about tile um, or let's talk about wood again. You know, if, uh, let's say that there has to be a board replacement. Well, that very well may mean that more trim needs to be hung and touch up paint uh-huh. needs to be done. Uh, and the list goes so forth. So you could have now you're potentially having to coordinate three trades. Right. To be in, a, you know, a window from yeah. one to four yeah. on a random Tuesday. And, and my experience is you'll be lucky. You'll get one, mm-hmm. you know, there. But it may be not the fl- – it'll be the trim guy yeah. who can't do anything until uh, – so that's a great thing is to, is to let people be uh, absent during these repairs. Yeah, and I think I think the toughest thing as a business owner, I mean, I'm a pleaser. I want I like to be liked by my mm-hmm. customers. I like them to think that we do a good job and all those sorts of things. I enjoy the positive feedback. And so when customers are going, "Oh, sometimes we have to save them from their 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 bad instincts." Mm-hmm. You know, I think in general the man the big struggle we're having right now in Nashville is everybody wants to move in too early. Mm-hmm. I get it. Sometimes they're managing multiple mortgages. They're trying to deal with their kids' education. They've, yeah, it's like there's so many things. So I'm not unsympathetic to the plight of the homeowner who's trying to manage their own finances, logistics, family, education, et cetera. But moving in too early, I feel like a never solves thing. a problem. Now, let me ask you that. So that's a great, you know, we're talking about the handoff and, uh, uh, why are people getting into that position? Um, 
because it seems to be, I work with a lot of different people, Mm -hmm. a lot of different people. And it's in, it is a constant theme. And I've joked with, I don't think I have a theory that regardless of whether there's always, it is amazing. The amount of people that are at a job site Mm -hmm. the last week. Oh yeah. Okay. And it wouldn't matter if that job site is a, two months, a two month project, or if it's a 10 year project, right? It, it's always that last two weeks is insane. So I have a kind of a theory that it's like, no matter how long the time horizon is for a build. Right. Well, I, I say something that it, this doesn't solve the problem. Mm-hmm. So not like my little quip that mm-hmm. I say solves all these issues, Andrew, but when people say, Hey, what, wh- wh- when are they moving in again? Mm-hmm. I go, everybody can't be last. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's everybody, right. yeah. Everybody can't be last. Yeah, Somebody's got to yeah. be first. Somebody's got to be second. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? Go kick ass. Mm-hmm. That's what tries to happen. Mm-hmm. You, you over when you look on hourly and you go, well, this is a task that should be able to be done in a day, and this task is going to take two days, and this task, and then you add it up, you go, we're going to be done with the house in fourteen days. Mm-hmm. That math never, mm-hmm. ever, ever, mm-hmm. ever works. Mm-hmm. It's more complicated than that. People underestimate. Personally, I think if a house looks like it's ready to move in today, if mm-hmm. it looks like, what are we waiting for? Let's, the moving truck ought to be here. You're minimum a month. <laughs> if it looks like every countertop is set, yeah, yeah. every plumbing fixture is connected, every light is hung, it's still a month. And so I would encourage homeowners, it's tough, and I struggle with it as much as everybody. So I don't say this from Mount Pius that, you know, um, I will say— It's such an inact science. Yeah, it, it's tough, and, and, and you need to say— um, you need to say, have a tougher conversation sooner than just, I think a lot of times we just, I don't know, we have the blinders on, we have good intentions, we think we can do it, and we don't have the tougher conversation um, early. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. it's 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 pretty common. Mm-hmm. I um, really appreciate, I had a homeowner that we completed a project for, and he wanted to be in by Christmas last year, and I had to tell him, I said, look, man, this is not. It's not going to be a pleasure. And your yeah. Christmas is ultimately going to be worse. And you don't want a bunch of people, you know, traipsing through your house, waking you up. Maybe you had a little bit too much eggnog last yeah, night. Yeah. Now you got some painter beating yeah. on the door yeah. at 8 o'clock in the morning. And the other thing is it's really unfair. If As, as a contractor, I think our job is to be a really fair arbiter between our subcontractors and our homeowners. Mm-hmm. We can't go break the necks of our homeowners or our subcontractors for our homeowners, and we mm-hmm. can't be inequitable to our homeowners mm-hmm. to enrich our subcontractors. But when you guys don't, you know, I've always talked about the wide path to success. Mm-hmm. And again, having 60 people in there and trying to move in at the same time is not that. Yeah. And so um, I think it's a disservice to your, your employees. You didn't give your project manager enough time to complete the job. Mm-hmm. You didn't give the opportunity for your subcontractors. You go, well, Brady, yeah, I mean, you know, we made that repair and somebody walked through it seven minutes later because you got 60 guys through here. That's not being fair to textures if mm-hmm. I don't give – I give you an opportunity to succeed. Mm-hmm. And so it's very hard. Um, it, it happens too frequently. We're trying to draw a little bit, uh, you know. Do clients, do clients accept that answer when they say, Brady, we've been doing this for 13 months? Okay. I need a move in date. Cause I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've sat across from a table 
It happens that. all the and, time. And I like I know that you don't have time and this and that, but there has to be an end to this and a and a hard and fast day, and I need it. Do they accept that that's nearly impossible? Um <laughs> except well there there's a subjective if they <laughs> if, if they accept it. Um here's one thing I'll, I'll say. The projects I do require so much handwork. Mm-hmm. It's like all handwork. Like mm-hmm. it's the opposite of production work. Every mm-hmm. stone has been chiseled like we're building the great pyramids. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and and hand placed and then every slate had to have had to be punched and installed individually. Every piece of millwork was custom profiled, installed by a skilled carpenter. So one of the things I will say, I say, hey, man, look around. I've got 40 guys here mm-hmm. working as hard as they can. If we're not – and it happens occasionally, but if we're not being productive, then um, I'm all up for a reprimand. But if we are, as soon as we get these 40 or 50 – like they're working as hard as they can. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be done when they're finished. First truck gets here before sunup. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so it is aggravating. I mean, we always get that. But that that's actually a great thing to think about. And that that's – so we've talked about this before on previous podcasts. That's just a level of expectation right there. And I think, to me, that's kind of the perfect answer is look around. Yeah. Like, we have all the resources here. Right. Now it's time for me to tell you I can't – guarantee you anything because this this takes time and it's impossible there's not a lack of effort now if you you're here and we're here on a tuesday and uh we're pushing and there's one truck and you Mm -hmm. know he's asleep over in the corner that's one thing yeah but that's not that's not what we're in i think my clients um typically um get it well they're they're looking for exceptional results more they probably i mean everything's on a scale they don't have unlimited patience or unlimited time or unlimited but they're still valuing in general that's kind of why they're hiring me Mm -hmm. is they want it done right Mm -hmm. if they wanted it done fast way fast which is a different different product we're very productive but i also say you know we we have some projects to get get in this routine and people will say when you're gonna when are you gonna be done i say well I will answer that question. I'll, I'll be glad to give you some more expectations. I think it's unfair to ask me that question if one of my peers hasn't provided me. So if I give you a date, but I don't have a paint schedule or I'm missing some cabinet selections or some critical piece of data, should I be should I be able to give you a date and that person provide it a week before and I'm still obligated to that date? Mm-hmm. So. If everybody's done their part, if, you know, and we love the architects, designers, landscape architects, et cetera, that we work with. But, you know, um, one of the, the things, again, I, I try to use communication to build understanding. Mm-hmm. And most of my clients are are reasonable people. They're mm-hmm. successful. They get it. And so one of the phrases that um, that I've used frequently, because I think it articulates what I'm trying to say, is blank. We can fill in this blank with precedes pricing or precedes schedule. Mm-hmm. So if you go, well, hey man, how much is the how much is the the uh, how much my kitchen well design precedes pricing. It doesn't mm-hmm. it follows pricing. Mm-hmm. Pricing follows design, it doesn't precede it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pricing follows selection, it doesn't precede it. Mm-hmm. Schedule, same thing for schedule. How how can I know what how your can schedule? I schedule it until schedule. it's designed to price. I don't know what it is. It's not designed to price. Yeah. 
And so, you know, let's focus on those things. Let's let's engage with the other members of the team to make sure we get those. And then, you know, I can assure you that my my resources are substantial. We'll be productive. And, you know, uh, we're not here to waste time either. We, yeah, no. We, I mean, we want to get that, in. That's the one thing that I wish our listeners, if, if they take anything from this, almost every single person that works in this industry is paid based on um, efficiency. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where they make their money. Yeah. The more efficient you can be, the like it's just a, a you make more money. So there's well, exactly. a natural incentive for pretty much everybody on your job site to to be moving with with that type of speed. Yeah. Well, and I went and analyzed our numbers in a metric I heard somebody talk about. You know, somebody could pay 100% of your um your overhead and profit, mm-hmm. you know, your standard would be pretty standard for us, and that might have vastly different results in a metric that I analyze from footings, because you know, there's some always some pre-construction mm-hmm. ambiguity. When did when did the job actually start? Mm-hmm. Did it start when we got the permit? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it, you know, anyway. But so I've defined it from when we excavate for footings mm-hmm. to when we hand them the keys. Mm-hmm. And then I look at what if you take all of the revenue that we earned as a as a company, what was our revenue per week? Mm-hmm. You know, how do we do per week? And it can be, it's pretty eye-opening mm-hmm. the range. Of you know, and you say, "Hey, let's try so to have speed." Is in your best interest. It's an abs. It's 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 remarkable the spread that yeah. would be. You know, yeah. Um, There's probably a big difference between 50 weeks and 62 weeks. Yeah. But from an operation, from a from an overhead and profit mm-hmm. model, they paid. They both paid it's the a, same. It was the same. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a great point. So listeners. Tip. I mean, just reconcile that. Right. That that's the that's the key. So let's. I want to switch perspective again. You've done this, I'm sure, dozens, if not hundreds, of times. Tell us what it's like when you walk a client through. When you say this has passed my test, we are ready, and you're walking the client through. What What are the questions that they should ask? Um, Tell me about just kind of that process so our listeners can kind of understand, you know, where they should be in that final walkthrough. Well, um, you always try to improve it. I mean, anything that requires, you know, they should see how to operate something. Don't assume. I mean, don't assume they know how to um, uh, turn on the dishwasher. I mean, think how sophisticated everything gets. And it's silly and it's frustrating. They got a house full of guests. And they can't figure out how to how turn, to turn on, on the dishwasher. <laughs> the lights, I mean, gosh, these AV systems are really, really complicated mm-hmm. now. And so, I mean, how, how frustrated would you be if you went to put on the uh, UT Alabama game and couldn't get your uh, TV to turn <laughs> it on? It turns on your garbage disposal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty frustrating. So um, you do want to do a walkthrough. Usually some of that stuff is done more at the project manager or, hey, just some basic um, troubleshooting if something happens. Cause again, these houses have become how to operate a fireplace and you know, yes. this is how you open the flu. And yes, yes. This is how you open the flu. And one of the things that we're working on um, along with uh, Andrew Patterson is a builder out in Newport beach. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that he's, I think leading the industry on is accumulating all of the ongoing requirements mm-hmm. 
you know, if um, again, if if you said, hey, you know, once every eighteen months, this floor is going to require this type of service, or um, and putting that into program um, and creating a subscription based um, maintenance program, so that house stays new forever. So that's mm-hmm. something that we're looking on, looking mm-hmm. at, and it's, it's twofold. Really cool. Identifying for customers who go, hey man, I want this house impeccably maintained forever. Mm-hmm. But also understanding, you know, again, something might fall outside of your warranty. You know, here in the state of Tennessee, we're required, whether it's written or not, your customers have a one-year builder warranty mm-hmm. with some provisions in it. So you they can't it can even even be negotiated away. You can't say, well, you know, negotiate on the last invoice, mm-hmm. but we're going to avoid your warranty. It exists. Mm-hmm. It's period. Period. It exists. But you're not going to look great as a builder. You might have a product that requires some maintenance that's beyond your warranty. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if somebody, if something starts to fail, they've been in the house two years. Well, th- this is a great thing. So let's talk about warranty versus maintenance. Yeah. You know, uh, as, as you're doing a walk, what's under warranty and what's considered homeowner maintenance? You know, I think. Uh, it, and let's talk about this real quick because this is, I think, a great example. Um, painting, crown, crown separating, mm-hmm. uh, you know, little drywall cracks, things like that. Is that maintenance or is that in the first year? In the first year, it'd be warranty. Mm-hmm. In the first year, it'd be warranty. Houses still continue to move, so outside of the first year, mm-hmm. um, it would be it would be considered maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I think we're probably too generous about stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, um, we, we want it to look good. I think, again, the better system is if you had a program in place, to, it'd be good for them. My Again, I think our homeowners, it's it's probably less about the money, regardless if it's, if it, sure. if it's, if it's mm-hmm. who's paying for it. They want to go, if I have a problem, I don't need to be introduced to a new team. I don't have to go source a new set of people that I can pick that I don't know, mm-hmm. let them in my home that has, you know, my possessions, my jewelry, my guns in some yeah, cases. Yeah, yeah. And um, I want to call people that I already kids. have a relationship with yeah. kids. Exactly. Um, pets, all mm-hmm. those sorts of things. I don't want to get to know somebody that I've never met before. Don't know the quality of their work. Don't know their character. Don't know if they got out of prison yesterday yeah, yeah. and now they're invited into my home you know, and around all those sorts of things. And they just want to, again, they, they're typically happily pay for things. But it, when the person that they trust, uh, that they already know is competent, shows up and takes care of it. So we're trying to extend that um, beyond the warranty period and then go, hey, let's find an equitable solution that really serves us all. Mm-hmm. You have that comfort of knowing that all your routine maintenance with your mechanical systems, your gutters, your windows, your uh, backflowing, your um, – and for infinity, we can kind of build a package that make sure those things are going to be serviced, extend the life of those products, and the house is going to be impeccably maintained. And similar to a car record, think of what a valuable tool it would be if you ever had to leave the area for some reason. And just like somebody can pull the service record on your car, they can go, wow, I mean, this is really impeccable. This All this paving gets pressure washed twice a year. Gutters get cleaned twice a year. You know, these units um, – uh, are impeccably maintained. And so just like a car that's well-maintained will command a higher value in the marketplace when it's resold, we think we can build that same thing into a house. So that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's on the on our hit list. We're part of a pilot program um, along with Patterson um, Custom Homes. They're going to be, we're going to be their Southeast oh, cool. uh, pilot 
um, program for that in January. So oh, that's awesome. Man. Yeah. That's very, very cool. Okay. Well, listen, tell us something that you'd like to talk about with Fry uh, Classic Construction. Tell us, tell us something you'd like to share about that. Well, I, I think it's pretty exciting. You know, those of you who have heard me on the podcast before, I'm a creative person. I came here for my love of music and I am a musician. And so for me, I, I think I get most excited when we get calls about it and they just keep coming in for these really exciting projects. And I get to be part of something and see these really amazing visions realized. It just, they continue to get bigger, more exciting for me. I never get a call about a great, a project and go high five my staff and go, man, we're going to make so much money. That's the last thing I think. Oh man, look at this beautiful, impeccable home that, you know, we're going to get the opportunity to bring out of the ground. And so those keep presenting themselves, which is exciting. You know, you always wonder once you get done with a great project, like, Hey, how many more great projects mm-hmm. are we going to have? I mean, these going to continue. And for our foreseeable future, I mean, I don't know how much farther that we could project. So, we seem to have, you know, a, a nice pipeline of those coming up for the next several years, which is very encouraging. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, I think that uh, goes kind of hand in hand with just being quality, reputable, having a good team. Uh, you know, those are those are the reasons why that why that happens. It doesn't just happen. It doesn't like just it's, happen. It takes yeah. a lot of hard work. Yeah. Okay. Rapid fire for Brady. Uh, favorite sports team? Preds. Okay. Love the Preds. Uh, I'm, listen, I didn't grow up playing hockey. I got swept in with our Stanley Cup run. I just live for the day to be at a, to, to see the Preds live in the, lift in the Stanley Cup. And so I hope I get an opportunity to do that. I hope so, man. I hope so. Uh, what is your number one source of inspiration? What is my number one source of inspiration? I just love architecture. I mean, you know, it's so, that's a great thing about Instagram. Like you just expose like a worldwide audience of like people you never heard of. Um, it, it's, it's all over. I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable how talented people are. Mm-hmm. Like it's just mind blowing how the talent that, that is exists in this world. It's so inspirational. Yeah. And so, um, I feel somewhat, you know, my aspirations as a musician, I realized pretty quick, you know, you get to Nashville and it's an instant mirror on where you rank in the, uh, if you're going to make it as a musician, there's just <laughs> so much talent here. So I realized pretty quickly that, man, I, I'm probably not going to be able to make a career playing my, my guitar. This just is too much talent. But I spent some time in the music business managing acts and working in administration. And it was really cool because it was my chance to be stay close to the music. And I feel that way with being a builder. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to be, you know, Jamie Pfeffer, Jonathan Tarot, Jeff Dungan, you know, these guys are just really super talented. But I get to be, I kind of get to be part of the team. And so. uh, You're part of the creation. Yeah. So I could never draw it, but it's inspiring. (laughs) And I still have a role bringing it to life, which is what I enjoy. Oh, that's awesome. That wasn't very rapid fire. Sorry. No, no. I love it. Uh, What would you consider your design style? What is my design style? I've always said everything I like is rooted in traditional mm. architecture. Um, traditional architecture can be expressed in very modern and contemporary ways. But anything that I see, I'll see stuff that I go, wow, isn't that interesting? Mm. Um, but I've said before on my Instagram, what was cool is cool. And I never see 
a slate roof and go, oh, yeah, we've been doing that for 100 years. I'm over that, you know. Or, um, you know, uh, beautiful millwork and go, oh, yawn. I still love it. What was cool is cool. And so everything that inspires me That's a great one. Um, has a has a, a sense, you know, um, even the aforementioned, um, you know, Jeff Dungan, Pfeffer Tarot, some of these really prominent Southeast architects, they're rooted. I mean, I think Jeff, to me, uh, his work really reminds me of Macintosh. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, which is a traditional Scottish mm-hmm. architecture. It's hundreds of years old. Well, I don't think you would look at Jeff's stuff and go, oh, yawn, traditional yeah, boring. architecture. Boring. or Pfeffer to Road. It's, it's ways to use some of those traditional timeless principles of architecture and express them in really creative, exciting ways. And that's what I – that's I think, my personal. I think you just described my design style too. I think yeah. that's because it's so beautiful. It's timeless. Yeah. I never like just a timelessness to it. I never look at a steel and glass enclosure. I might look at it and go, "Wow, that's interesting." Mm-hmm. I never look at it and go, I, "That's where I want to live." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, but if you combine steel and glass with some of these, that's yeah. where I'm like, yeah. oh, "That's that's kind of neat." But, but those that's speak to neat. me. I, I like the things that I like spaces that create more of an emotional response. Mm-hmm. Um, you just go in and, and, you know, you're talking about how awesome an experience you had at South Hall. Mm-hmm, and I go, mm-hmm. those are the things I like. Mm-hmm. When you walk into, you said, man, you always got emotional at this mm-hmm. seven-year journey. Realize mm-hmm. that's what motivates me. You walked in there like, wow, here it is. We've been talking about this yeah. for seven years. Yeah. And you kind of have that emotional response. That's that's what I look for in yeah. great spaces. I love that. Great answer. Okay. Well, Brady, as always, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing your perspective on how to live with your home and set expectations. Uh, Brady, how can our guests find and follow you in Fry Classic Construction? We're in, we're very active on Instagram in particular, so check out our Instagram feed, Fry Classic Construction. We have a website as well, but our most current work is always posted on Instagram. You can direct message me, and uh, I stay in touch with builders, vendors, uh, future clients all through our Instagram channel. So reach out. I'm easy to find. That's awesome. Uh, we will post those show notes uh, or links to our show notes. Uh, so, uh, anybody can connect with, with Brady. Uh, we will be back next week until then. Thanks. I'm your host, Andrew Denny. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share Couture and construction, and we want to hear your feedback. So please leave us a review on Apple podcasts or Spotify. Couture and construction is brought to you by textures, Nashville produced by Davis Osborne and Chelsea ran and is recorded live in the textures, Nashville showroom located within the Nashville design collective.